Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. No One Likes Us Clothing is the clothing range designed by Millwall fans for Millwall fans. Caps, t-shirts, polos, they've got it all. Visit noonelikesus.co.uk for the full range. Or, if you're in Bermondsey on a match day, why not have a pint in the Blue Anchor pub and pick up a Nolu polo shirt, Nolu clothing, www.noonelikesus.co.uk. Listening to Acton Mill, broadcasting from the beautiful South Bermondsey. Accept no substitute. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to uh, Acton Mill, something for the weekend, sir, with my regular Friday guest, the man himself, Mr. Neil Fissler. Welcome to the show, Neil. Good afternoon. And may I say, somebody give us somebody who's gone woke. Haven't you <laughs> going to women's football? Not the Millwall I know. I was at uh, went with Harry last night, listeners, just to explain anyone that, that, that didn't see uh, the, the social media. Um, went to uh, Walthamstow to watch Harry's women's side. He's, he's um, part of the setup there. Um, we're going to do a separate podcast on that, so I'm not going to rise to Neil's jibe, his cheap jibe at me. It's so early in the, in the, uh, in the morning. Well, it's 11 o'clock, not even early in the morning now, but I shall leave that to one side. Um, listeners, it has been a difficult week to be a Millwall fan. We obviously had that uh, disappointing loss last Saturday at home to Reading, swiftly followed up by um, an even more disappointing loss for me, Neil, on, on Tuesday night at Turf Moor, 2-0 to um, Burnley, um, a game where we contained Burnley to some extent in the first half and then let it slip away with the repeat silly errors that we've seen so often through this season. Um, I'm going to talk about it in a moment with Neil, but I just wanted to say before we begin, listeners, that for me, Gary Rowe is taking a lot of um, flack online. Um, rightly so. It's his name that's the bottom line under underwriting the, uh, you know, the team selection and the management of Mill Football Club. But, Neil, I think that you've also got to point the finger at some fairly senior players that aren't playing for him. You can, you and me could talk all day till the cows come home about one, the benefits of a back four, back five, one formation over another. But if players don't play or don't perform to their, um, their, their, their expected levels, and I'm talking about the likes of Jake Cooper, Danny Mack, listeners, some might not like that, but he's not been playing well. Scott Malone is an obvious choice. There's others. But if those players nil don't play to their their levels, you could you'd have the best formation in the world, and you're still going to get beat. And I think Gary Rowett is in that zone at the moment. How do you see it, mate? I think that you ought to put a trigger warning on this as you yeah, as you've now gone woke. Uh, <laughs> He's not going to leave this alone, is he? No, I'm not. <laughs> No, to be honest, yeah, uh, it doesn't help that Gary Rowett has got seven or eight players badly out of form, yeah? Uh, and that's not make too, bang, too many bones about it. They are badly out of form. Yeah. Players that you normally rely on, that you think are good, steady uh, performers. Uh, we look awful at the back, don't we? Which was our strong point. That was what we've based so much of everything on. So fragile now, yeah. In months, we look fragile as you say we're struggling to create anything 
in attack. In fact, actually, our attacking threat has got all the force of a pacifist, really, hasn't it? <laughs> uh, it just, it, 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 it just, you don't. We started off okay against Stoke, and I know that we've got, uh, yeah, I think we've got, what, seven or eight points? We've probably got the same amount as last season at the same time, haven't we? Yeah, 19th in the table at the minute, seven points from seven games, four defeats. The performances are worrying because he, he just doesn't seem to be able to turn it around. I know people say, but we've played three of the best teams in the league away from home, but we haven't perform well against the majority uh, yeah well against the majority of them no uh, and uh last week against the uh, reading was absolutely oh i was spewing i was absolutely spewing and to be honest it's dispiriting you get into it's getting to a stage now where you're seven seven eight games in, into the season and you don't want to watch it <laughs> it's, it's early. It's early to be at that point, Neil, isn't it? Because you know a lot of pre-season buzz around the place. It's gone. You know, it's it's not there at the moment. Yeah, but that feel-good factor where we brought in Fleming, we brought in a phobie, we brought in Honeyman mm. in those three or four days. It's back down to earth with a bit of a crash bang wallet Millwall style, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I mean. I... I mean, I'm just looking at this interview here with uh, Dan Marsh. I think that's London News Online. He's talking about after the Burnley defeat. Gary Rowett says it's up to him to find the solutions for the reasons um, that you've just said, Neil. I mean, a lot of players, yeah. a, a good block of players not in form. Um, you know, the, the, there may be a million and one reasons why so many players get out of form at once. I mean... It's in it's in the in the human nature to sometimes you know you have good days you have bad days and and so on. But for so many to be under par at the moment does make you wonder about the mood of the squad, the the faith in the manager. I I, I don't know that he's quite got the dressing room with him, um, which he he's kind of saying it's up to him to find a way to get that. And yes, it is because that's what he's paid for. But it's um, it's been so. Uh, the contrast between the pre-season and now is so, in one month, has, has, has gone so flat. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a solution for him. Yeah. yeah. And that's, make some bold decisions, Gary. I did notice that the guy who, the new guy at News at Den last week said, Gary Rowett made a bold decision to change the formation. <laughs> yeah, but he actually changed it after 60, 65 minutes, yeah? Let's make a bold decision. Yeah, we can all see in the first half last week that it was not working. Yeah, half-time, yeah. yeah. Even after 30 minutes, hook a couple of players off. Make a statement, yeah? Even at half-time, it was crying out for a change of formation. This this formation does not suit Millwall. It's five at the back, three central defenders. I won't deviate from what I believe in. No, mate, mm. you've got to deviate from what you believe in because you're starting to lose it. And I tell you now, if it all goes south tomorrow against Cardiff, I think Mr Rowett will uh, find out what Millwall fans are actually all about because... It's it hasn't quite got toxic yet, but, no. but I, I I agree. I what? think we're on the we're on the brink of of, of toxicity. The brink, yeah, we're can, on the brink of it, Nick. The, if you can have such a thing, you we're on the brink. I mean, he, he sailed close to the wind a couple of times. Um, obviously, a, a fair chunk of his time was was COVID restricted, and that um, he hasn't had the um, the fans on his case. I mean, I, you know. There've been poor runs with the return of fans, where I think he 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 got to hear it. I, I, I do think tomorrow will be a different level because if it goes badly, and I hope it, it doesn't go badly, listeners. Let's let's get set it out. And I know I think Neil, you're the same. I mean, no one wants to see Neil managers sounded, but yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, but he's got family. He's got yeah, he's got to earn his living, and you don't want to see the guy fail. You want no, Mill to, to win. Yeah. The too many people that will knock that will knock this club for anything, yeah, at the slightest drop of a hat. Okay, I've probably been guilty of that in the past, but but we want 
Millwall to succeed, yeah? Yeah, well, if yeah, well, if anything, this has served as a bit of a reality check. We're not going to get promoted. Well, I, not at the moment. We're not, that's for sure. Um, it's, I, slip. it's starting to slip. We're looking like we could be dragged into a relegation fight and we're not one of the worst teams in the league. Well, we are on form. But if you look at everything, just change your formation, man. Go with go with Fleming behind the bloody front three or something like that. Just do something. You've got to change it. it yeah, there are some promising signs. Fleming looks Fleming up. looks apart. Vogel song looks the part for me, Neil, as well. Um, yeah, Samuel looks like a good player. Uh, and, and yeah, we we know about Tyler. Um, we know how talented he is, and yes, he's a. He's an airy fairy winger, so he'll have he'll have good moments and bad moments. He'll take chances, and sometimes that doesn't work out. But the boy is ta- boy is a talent. I think he's going to go a long way in the game. And if we don't employ him, Neil, that comes back to the manager, doesn't it? He yeah. Lost. One thing about last, I don't want to out on for last Saturday, but he actually had that Reading fullback on toast. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. you could see every time Tyler Bury got the ball. He was going to push it past him, go around him. That's what you've got to do. I think there's somebody the other night I was watching a game, I forget who it was now, and they actually targeted the fullback. They got him booked, and then the winger, exactly the same thing. You pull him down, and it's quite likely he's going to bring you down and get sent off. It's not. He's one of those players that gets you on the edge of your seat type of thing, isn't it? Because you just don't know what he's going to do. Highly unpredictable, highly talented. And, you know, you, you have to... You, bit, I'm thinking back to the greats of the past, the the the, uh, the, the, the Paul Ifills, the Jimmy Carters and, and the others, and the Golden Eels who go back long enough. But these these kinds of players have their brilliant moments and then other times they fall flat on their face because they're taking risks with the ball and, and um, it doesn't always work every single time. I think. One of the downfalls of football management, Neil, is, and Gary Rowett, I think, is probably the, the prime example of they, they, they elevate consistency above the ability to do the unexpected. It's They'd always go with the, um, I mean, you see it across football generally, don't you, England, and um, especially where players of talent are not backed and not, not trusted and they don't give you 100% every, every minute of every game. And... It's that acceptance that sometimes the these artists, players, like I'm thinking of Tyler, possibly uh, Zian Fleming too, he looks a good player, but you have to you have to be prepared to go with the role of it, of it slightly because you won't always get um, brilliance every single time. Yeah, no, well, Robert, when he came in, he was like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. It was absolutely lovely attacking football. Yeah. And it just seems to... He now wants to be safe. Yeah, and this is Millwall. We don't do safe, do we? Not really, no. Um, there, there's an interview on, I think it, I don't know if it was News at Den listeners. Forgive me, I haven't, I haven't got it here, so I can't tell you which, which with this, either News at Den or London News, and apologies to the one that it, it, it was. Um, but he, he kind of touches on it. I mean, there's a quote here. He says it, it's, he, he, he likes this five at the back, and the reason he likes five at the back is because it's flexible, and a lot of other teams have had some measure of success with it. It's very inflexible. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't produce, it doesn't play to the den. The den is, uh, you know, for better or for worse, it's an emotional cauldron. And you need to bring the den on side. And without going down the Holloway, you know, five striker route, you need to play a fairly attacking style to bring the den into play, Neil. Yeah, look, as yeah, as my son would say, Millwall are a bread and butter four four two club. Aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> variations on it, but Millwall, we like the wingers bombing on, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We like a certain type of third centre forward. Um, yeah, we like but... oh well, we like somebody with a bit of bite in the centre of midfield. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is it is in the blood. Um, we just haven't got any of that in these performances, and it's just depressing. I switched off after half an hour on Wednesday. Did you? You turned it off? Did you? Just actually, just actually couldn't be bothered with it. I thought, well, yeah, well, you're underperforming. 
go away. I'm not going to give you another hour of my life. Uh, crucial fiction. I mean, obviously, talking about centre forwards and and, uh, and 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 the, and the, the you know, working the mill spirit. We've got Steve Morrison in charge of Cardiff with Marlon Romeo taking the field tomorrow. So um, it's got potential not to not you know. We, we need a performance. I think I'm, I'm going to try and turn this around. I'm going to talk about Cardiff. I want to see a Millwall performance where we tap into the uh, the attacking spirit of the, of the den and let's get a couple of goals. You know, let's, let's, let's put them to the sword. It would be wonderful, Neil, to go down the den. You, you know, we go every two weeks and leave there on a buzz where we, we've put a team, you know, put them to the bed badly. And that would be great because we haven't seen that for a long while. You know, staging comebacks from two goals behind is great, but I want to see us rip a team to pieces. I've seen it for such a long time now, and it'd be so refreshing if we can see it tomorrow. You can take defeat because because we're proper football fans down at Millwall. Aren't we? we understand the game, don't we? Yeah, that's you right. Actually, take a defeat, but what you can't take is a defeat with a non-performance. Yeah, like last week against Reading and. Uh, uh, to some level, Tuesday night as well. I mean, four four hundred people travelled up to Burnley on Tuesday night to watch. And you've yeah, served up with it. The toilet, yeah, it's a toilet on a Saturday. Without <laughs> now midweek, it's just ah. Oh. But the, yeah, but Burnley are one of those places or teams that I think if you get something out of them, it's a bonus, especially up there because they've just come down from the Premier League. There's a vast chasm. A difference in funding and uh, mm. what we can afford and what they can afford. Christ, they bought Scott Twine for four million quid off MK Dons and he's injured. Yeah. So, it's horrible if we spent four million quid and the player was injured, wouldn't we? Absolutely. Managed by Vincent Company. So, you got the glamour and, and, and he's tapping into Manchester City and Belgian um, talents uh, on a scale that we, we can't. Um, what we can bring to the table is commitment. And I think that's the bit. And I think in fairness to Gary Rowan, that's what I think he's referring to in his interviews, that it's for the players to um, to bring their game to the table too, because that's not been happening, whatever the formation may or may not be. Um, On to some transfer news. Yesterday was transfer deadline day. Um, I'm still not quite, can't, we can't say conclusively, Neil, at the moment as we're recording, whether we have or haven't signed Barnsley's Callum Styles, I don't know if there's a slow motion video being made or whether he, got, he went back to Barnsley and nothing happened. You can't tell, can you, at the moment? No, how long do TikTok videos take? <laughs> take very long, but there we are. And um, um, I think it's probably the Football League after ratify it. You don't have to make a signing at eleven o'clock last night. You get the paperwork in, I believe, don't you? Is it yeah, you can put, yeah, you can put in a deal sheet and that'll give you an extra couple of hours, I think, to get everything. Get the ball rolling. Yeah, yeah, basically, to get the I's dotted and the T's crossed, etc., etc., etc. He's quite well rated, this boy, Callum. I don't know him, listeners. I'm just reading from uh, Richard Corley's uh, lead paragraph here, 22 years old. Cap six times by Hungary. I'm guessing he's got familial links to Hungary. Um, started at Burnley. Can play a central mid or also as a left wing back. Scott Malone, maybe you're starting to get, you know, itchy and scratchy with that news because we do need to liven up on the left. So um, let's keep our fingers crossed that that deal did get to Football League HQ by the, by the cutoff time. Um, yeah, so big, big, big fixture tomorrow. We're going to take a short break now, listeners, and then we'll come back after the uh, messages. And we're going to talk about Steve Kavanagh's statement posted on the Mill Club site, Neil. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Achtung, Mailball. Welcome back after the break, listeners. Um, I suppose the big news in the, off the field, Neil, was this statement by Steve Kavanaugh. There's quite a few elements, quite a wordy, lengthy statement on the main website. Um, open with the good news, the supporter who collapsed during the course of last week's game at home to Reading has been discharged from hospital. Uh, and he pays tribute in his piece to the uh, actions of fans who did alert the, the medical team quite quickly to this, this situation. And obviously to the medics that um, basically saved the chap's life reading between the lines of Steve's uh, statement. So that's good news. Yeah, I didn't think the performance was that bad that somebody wanted to get up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, obviously, yeah, without comedy routine. <laughs> it's a drastic way to... Since I've had my little bit of travel, listeners, I always have this kind of um, mental image that's my... Uh, I might get carried out of the den at some point, but it's great news to hear that the, the chap concerned... Yeah, no, it is. <clears throat> it's been uh, discharged. Um, yeah, the guy's probably got family, he's got to earn a living, he, and uh, yeah. you shouldn't um, get a football match and then not come back. I think they, I think they acted very swiftly, which yeah. helped, and they do these days. I, yeah, I think it's all both club doctors racing across. Yeah, the, the Reading uh, chap and and the Millwall, uh, and obviously our own medical team were there. Um, so it's hats off to everyone involved in that, and I think that's 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 part of Kavanagh's statement, the opening paragraph. So good news there. Um, moving through it now, we, we touched on this in our last show, you and me, or you, 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 you raised it actually. This is this controversy about, um, Lewisham's safety, uh, panel, stadium safety panel, raising the issue of, of away fans standing and the need, probable need, according to Steve Kavanagh, that we're going to have to fit rail seating stand to enable standing at the away end. Um, going to cost us hundred thousand pound because of the, uh, the design of the den, which doesn't lend itself very easily to rail seating. Yeah, the bedwet have been busy again, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah. <laughs> you look at it and you think for a couple of hundred fans, yeah, how difficult yeah. is it to sit down? People when, don't know, do they? I mean, we, the Millwall fans don't when they go away. Um, yeah, they don't at home either. No. If, is it, you're just costing the club money, and uh, it, it it seems unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's probably a lot better things the club want to spend under a thousand pounds on, as opposed to safe standing or seating or whatever you want to call it. I switch off as soon as I hear the word safe, so I've got no, so I've got no idea what it is. But yeah. Interesting. I'm just looking at Steve Kavanagh's statement. He's talking about the away end. The North Stand is its official name, the away end, as as, uh, as uh, it would be known. Um, it's apparently, I didn't know this, and I couldn't, couldn't have told you this, but it has a slightly steeper angle. I suppose the land at the back side of that end is, is actually quite enclosed there. There's um, plenty of space around the outskirts of the mill sections. Um, 
but not so much at the away end. So I think the angle of that particular stand is slightly steeper, which has probably led to the interest of the um, of the safety officer. Um, the danger being of people standing that um, a progressive crowd collapse, um, which sounds like a music festival, doesn't it? Like a progressive rock, you know. Yeah, how long has that stand been open? 20, well, 20, 30 years, isn't it? 1993, I hope it's... Well, it hasn't happened yet, yes. Yeah, so that's not worry about something that might that might happen. It hasn't happened, yeah? It just It's just a ridiculous waste of money. Bureaucracy from somebody who bullied and wets the bed. Yeah, I... I... <laughs> Express in words. How I, I, I think you've done a fair job, Neil. I think you're doing a fairly good job of expressing in words, mate. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, I, I think what happens. This is a bit like anyone out there listening who have ever dabbled in the world of the likes of fire safety and um, uh, kind of public area safety of any kind, whether that be residential or um, you know commercial of any kind. The those that are tasked with enforcing health and safety rules have a have a job that they have to show that they're doing and you know many's many's the trivial situation that i've dealt with in my working life where you think why am i clearing away someone's doormat because it's alleged to be a fire risk but that's the level and if if you don't do it the the, the whip hand they hold and i think the don't know the chap here uh we probably best we don't know him but the whip hand they hold over any organisation like Millwall FC in this situation is the what if. What if something were to happen? It's going to be on you. It's your, your criminal offence then because you didn't follow the advice that I'm giving. I think that's the that's where um, the club are caught. And they're going to have to spend money now to to deal with this alleged issue. I, 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 I'm, I'm with you 100%, Neil, but it, they probably don't, their hands are tied. They don't have much choice in the matter. But put rail seating in in the upper decks of the uh, of the away end. Yeah, there is no solution to it. They win all day, every day, don't they? Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't beat these people because they just withdraw your safety certificate. Well, for that reason, they they will withdraw the cert, and you're you're up a gum tree. Um, yeah, it's as if they're getting a drink off the. Um, it's a good job we don't know this bloke's name. There's all sorts of libelous allegations, isn't it? You know, you know, you must have these rail seatings, and then you suddenly see coming thing, ash. One thing that does, I mean, there's the safety angle at the away end, but I mean, many's many's the the fan, and I include myself actually. Because I'm I'm not an architect, but. You know, a lot of people have called for stand-up rail seating because it adds uh, a better atmosphere, and and and, and it, it certainly can do at um, other grounds where uh, they're not blessed with uh, the, the fire in the belly that we bring to the den, because we get a pretty good atmosphere without any rail seating. Rail seating, in my opinion, compared with many other statements, uh, stadiums around the country. Um, but one thing that did strike me is how the den was designed as a seated stadium, and that doesn't lend itself very easily to the installation of these rail seats. You'd think it would be a bolt-in, bolt, a remove and bolt-in job, but it's not quite as straightforward as that. The design doesn't lend itself. Um, I think it's probably also something to do with the width of the of the of the, the aisle. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Well, I Feet basically, yeah. But I would have thought, yeah, okay, it's a brand new stadium, it's bolt in, bolt out. But if it's not that easy, apparently, it creates sight line issues if you did it. Um, I, I, block 18, I can't think where that is. In the, the, the cavern has mentioned there that, um, the uh, you know, it will create sight line issues if you if you just installed, um, without too much uh, thought for the consequences around seating. Um, we'll see. We're going to have to, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. And um, it looks like next season, at least, you'll see some rail seating in the way in for this this, this very reason. Moving along, um, he also mentions as we go through the blah, 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 through the uh, statement. It's a fairly wordy statement, listeners, on the, on the official site. But um, we talked about the, the withdrawal of the match day programme. You and me have, we're just talking off air now about the shame of it. And Neil's really had a little um, dig at me for going to that women's game last night. But one thing that did strike me, Neil, about London Seawood, and I said this to you before, is that it was a match day programme, physical match day programme now. Um, Millwall not doing it because it costs too much money, according to Steve Cavanagh. It lost the uh, production of the 
matchday programme last season, 21-22, lost £35,000 in producing it. Um, yeah, we covered this in a pod. Yeah. But from everything I've heard, the fans programme that Chrissy Bethel and his motley crew are putting together yeah. is actually, actually wiping its mouth, at least. So, so it just goes to show that they can come up with all the figures they like. Yeah. 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 Is the budget going? Is the budget going into the marketing account or is it going into the media account? Or, yeah, the revenue raised from from the likes of ad sales. And and to be honest, if they'd have made a better programme that people wanted, yeah, they might actually have flogged a few more copies. It, it, yeah, but it's taken this, I think, to wake some fans up to the fact that if you don't, buy it you that you run the risk of losing it i know there are people online that said oh i haven't bought a program for years but i'm now buying the the uh, the chris bethel version yeah yeah no, the... I, I put myself in that category i mean I, i'm a i'm a great believer I, I support what you're saying there entirely because if you don't goes for many many things if you don't support something you don't go or buy then it, it, things die but um Apparently, it lost money, and it's been done away for that reason. They do send out an email match pack, which I've seen, and it's it's useful enough if you're doing a podcast, but I'm not sure. I'd sit and look at it for terribly long otherwise. Um, but there we are. So that's, that, that. We, as you say, we have done a, a podcast on that as part of the modern, modern scene. But I just find it interesting how smaller clubs can and do produce basic programmes. Um, hats off to those that... Those that do. The other thing that caught my eye, um, well, it's funny, it's not funny, the cost of living crisis, but the cost of, he refers to the cost of turning the floodlights on. Um, we might be doing the old Theo thing of turning the floodlights on five minutes before kickoff because of the, the sheer cost of running um, stadium size, stadium level floodlights. Yeah, funnily enough, I've, I was scrolling through Twitter this morning. Um, my local league, the Southwest Peninsula League. Yeah have given permission for clubs in, I think it's November, December, January, yeah. February, to kick off at 2 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but in the event of injuries and that, they've stipulated that floodlights must be switched on. Yeah, but it's obviously a concern. I don't know why you just can't leave it to the adults to decide what time you want to kick off anyway. I would have thought that there's more benefits in those non-league clubs or clubs kicking off a bit earlier. And then you're allowed to get people staying on in, in the clubhouse to watch games or yeah. some people might decide, I don't know, Fisher kicks off at, at 12 o'clock that one or two people or a few people might go and watch Fisher and then amble their way down to the den. I agree. I mean, I, you know, I, I went there the other day, nice little setup, but it clashes. And if you're kicking off at three o'clock on Saturday, which I think they do have a game on Saturday, I'm not going to go. I'm going to go to Millwall. Um, I mean, many, many non-league clubs try to tie in with um, that their bar open for the uh, the TV game, which is, I think, is a 12.30 kickoff normally, isn't it? So, you you know, you get people in the bar buying, watching the TV, going outside, watch the non-league game, then back in the bar after the game for the 5.30 kickoff. And that, that, that works reasonably well. But as far as the floodlights are concerned, I mean, I, my, I, I'm old enough listeners to remember the um, minor strikes of the early 70s when floodlights were, were banned by the government. And it was quite common to see Saturday kickoffs at uh, 1 o'clock. 11.30, 12 o'clock, you name it, 12.30. Yeah, well, it starts. You know. Well, weren't there? Because obviously you were back then for those younger listeners. You never worked on the Wednesday afternoon, did you? Wednesday afternoon was your day off. It was day off, close, early closing. That's the thing yeah. that's gone out the window. Anyway, that's a different subject. But yeah, um, so we, we may see it. We may see it. Um, I wonder whether the, the EFL will be given dispensation to move uh, kickoffs because it would make financial sense if it's going to be as expensive as um steve kavanagh's in, implying here um we'll very, see very interestingly i was listening to the price of football i wish i paid a bit more attention to it <laughs> the other week when kieran mcguire was talking about it apparently clubs can bulk buy their energy in advance so if you buy 
uh, whatever you buy unit at say five pound a unit or three pound a unit. Yeah. If it goes above that, you're in credit, and obviously the energy company picks up the tab. And if it falls below that, well, you've prepaid, and it's just tough luck. Yeah, I suppose it. Those those kinds of deals, obviously, those kinds of deals, obviously, reflect the market. I mean, it's a very different podcast. It's turned into listeners. We've gone from someone right in his bed to talking about energy, energy, um, the nuances of energy buying on on a bulk level. But they would still reflect the market. I suppose if the general price of um, electricity is is going to go up and it goes up quite substantially, as it seems it will do, then the, even the bulk buy price will will be substantially higher than maybe that the club has um has, has catered for a long time ago so you buy it a year yeah. and you, yeah then you're yeah. in fixed term contract but uh, you would have thought in theory <laughs> it shouldn't really affect a big business like or uh, no it's mentioned in his it, it must be a factor neil it's, it's mentioned in this statement so um you like, know. it's one of those things you don't really you you don't really pay much attention to it, do you? you, no, you... No, it's just the floodlights they're on. I mean, I, I do remember when Theo was um, came in in the late nineties, going to evening games where they'd have like the, the lights on like a half light, so you'd get into like a semi gloomy den, and then they'd only switch the full floodlights on it's five what... minutes before kickoff. You know, yeah, it'd be those yellowy lights, wouldn't it? And yeah, yeah. Um... Games actually on, especially in the middle of winter. Because that was a money-saving thing, and the club was in trouble, and that was part of his turnaround, along with many, many other things, uh, to to restrict spending and you know maximise income, which is the key to any business. Um, yeah, no toast at the training ground. No toast, famously not. Right. Um, the planning application, talk about the training ground. The planning application for the new West Kingsdown site is proceeding. And the, the club are doing all sorts of work with Seven Oaks Council community. It's an interesting thing I find. This is the emphasis on on this um, training ground and, and the links to the area of Seven Oaks Brands Hatch are being developed all the time. It's um, it's one of those things where it will be officially denied, but you do wonder what the long term plan is, whether it is to get out to that part of Kent and get away from inner London. I, I think it would be a disaster for a club, Mill football club in terms of identity to leave Bermondsey, but um, money money drives these things, doesn't it? Which brings us on to the golden chair. It brings us nicely onto the last part of Steve Kavanagh's statement, and I'm, I'm going to take my podcast hat off slightly here now and put my Lions Trust hat on um, because there's a... The, the final element is actually quite a, a major thing in a way. And people, apologies for anyone's eyes glaze over with boredom as, as I try to do my best to explain what's going to happen. But Mill FC, which was from the 1980s, it was a public limited company. When Reg Burr, anyone that was around the 80s will remember Reg Burr launching us on the share market. It's probably one of the most, um, with the benefit of hindsight, it wasn't the best thing that you could do in football. There was a bit of a trend at the time for football clubs to list themselves on the on on the on the private stock exchange. And this was the era of the Big Bang. Everyone wanted a piece of the action, and Millwall was uh, was part of that. So we, we we started selling shares in the club, and over time, um, many many shares were reissued as the club, which didn't make an awful lot of money. Uh, the shares became progressively diluted with more and more share issues until we reached a point in, I think it was 2010, when amazingly Mill FC had 43,000 small shareholders. And these would be people uh, like the likes of you and me, Neil. I mean, I didn't buy any shares, but I know many people who did. They wanted to both help and support their football club and feel partly connected to it. And to be a shareholder is is a connection, isn't it? So the Many, many share issues we've had over time, 43,000. What happened in 2010? The club decided this was unwieldy, unmanageable and expensive to manage. And um, some might say controversially, some might say with a business eye, they they basically removed um, the vast bulk of those small shareholders' shares. They were quite literally scooped up and taken away, which can be done under... Um, company law. I'm, I'm not an expert on it. Um, I can only tell you my experience of it as, as a chair of the Lions Trust. 
and these shares were taken away from people and at the time they were the the, the fractional shares as they're called were passed over to the Lions Trust and that took the, sh the number of shareholders from 43,000 down to roughly 8,400 so we still have 8,400 shareholders at the moment and most of those would still be relatively small-scale shareholders, fans for the best description, Millwall fans. And the same plan is going to apply now. The club, um, and this will go through because um, although you vote on it, it's, it's not a democracy in the conventional sense. Basically, the bigger the shareholder, and the bigger shareholder is John Berylson, um, they command the bulk of the votes. So... <laughs> whatever John Berylson decides to do, he will win his election or his, his voting or whatever way you want to put it because he holds the majority of, of the um, voting power. So this will happen. They're going to reduce the numbers of shareholders down from 8,400 down to a level, I think it's 28, um, by making 10,000 shares represent and one share in the new structure. Um, and the same procedure will apply. All those that lose their shares in this in this procedure will have the choice this time of either um, having those shares passed to the Lions Trust or um, a small charitable donation to be made in, in lieu of the ownership to the Community Trust, the Mill Community Trust. As the Lions Trust, too many trusts here, aren't there? But the Lions Trust is the supporters trust. We're still in the process of trying to get it back alive and afloat and... and um, dealing with the Financial Conduct Authority and the Football Supporters Association. It's a slow process. So at the moment, we don't have a formal membership, Neil, um, but we do have a list of people that expressed an interest. And we're going to refer back to those email contacts, those people that have expressed an interest in joining it when it's fully up and running. And we're going to ask them how we should vote. The vote won't make much difference, but I think there's a symbolism in Mill fans either voting for this or against it. We will cast our vote according to the outcome of a survey that's been posted on the um, on the email link to all of those 160-odd people that um, have expressed an interest in, in becoming members of the Lions Trust. And then the second question is whether we should accept those scooped-up shares, so to speak, that are being removed from Mill fans um, or from shareholders, probably a better way to put it, um, and should they be passed over to the Lions Trust, yes or no? Should we accept them or should we not accept them? So we're going to be guided on, on both of those questions. Um, the first question, whether we vote yes or no, to some extent is it's a done deal already. So you could argue that it's um, it's a symbolic vote one way or the other. We will follow the majority. And the same, to be honest, with the second one, whether we should or shouldn't accept the scooped up shares. Um, we'll also follow the... Uh, the survey of our of our um, email membership. I hope I've explained that reasonably clearly, um, and I apologise. It's it's not an easy subject to describe in simple terms, but it's fundamentally that question of small shareholders being reduced down to basically twenty eight big shareholders who remain as the um, you know the, the the shareholding shareholding of Mill Football Club. The intention behind it, the club tell us, is to reduce costs to, to manage all these 8,000 people at the moment and to hopefully induce new investment in the club. And I'm going to guess that that links in with the previous um, subject of the training ground at Brands Hatch and the long-term well-being of Mill Football Club. The idea is that um, with 8,000 shareholders, ownership is much, much harder to um to sell to new investors, if, if that makes any sense. The thing that strike me out of it is that I think John Berylson has got enough credit in the trust bank with us as supporters that if John Berylson thinks this is the right move for Millwall Football Club, that we should back him. Mm. He isn't one of these cowboy owners and you only have to see what's happening at Worcester Warriors, the rugby team at the minute to know what bad ownership is because some of the stunts they're pulling is making evil Knievel grin with envy. <laughs> and John, isn't, John Berylton isn't one of those people. I, I think that he's okay. <laughs> I think his long-term aim is to make some money off of the, off of the, off of all of the land, but that's fair enough. He's financing the club. 
I think he's putting 90 to 100 million pounds, is he, into the club? To... It must be in that region. I don't know the figures, but he's, he's invested a lot over the time, isn't he? And I think that when we remember the best chairman of Millwall uh, in years to come, I think John Berylton deserves to be up there and mentioned amongst the very best because, give us a say, I think he hasn't made a decision yet that screams uh, ego. Or self-interest. No, I agree. Interest. He's acting in the best interest of Millwall Football Club, I think. And uh, I think we have to back him. He backs us often enough. So I think this is a chance for us to back John Berylton. Um, and 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 the second point would be, I think it would be a fantastic idea if uh, the trust, the Lions Trust, accepts unwanted shares or shares from these eight thousand people, or from yeah, people, I, I... because to have the Lions Trust as as, uh, as one of the twenty eight biggest shareholders in the club would safeguard us and it would also come back to what the previous point about 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 strengthening our links with Kent and does that mean that uh, that the club uh, could move us but no the uh, from what I can gather the crouch report can uh, would give would actually give the Lions Trust a veto on that. Yeah, if it's implemented, that's right, it will do. Um, I think some clubs are going going down that. Or I've said that they will go down that road without the the government legislation. Um, we're obviously in a difficult political time. Not going to get involved in the rights and wrongs of that. We'll wait to see whether that comes. Go down that road as well. I think that Steve Cavan is trying to drive this, isn't he? Say yeah. what I like about. Uh, yell about Mr. Kavanagh, and, and I know he does get quite a lot of stick because of the football team that he's <laughs> that he supports. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's being being Millwall chief exec can't be an easy job. I, 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 I wouldn't fancy it myself, but um, well, driving force in this, and I think it is. Yeah, well, I must admit when the when the Lions Trust first started, the eyes glazed over all of those years ago. <laughs> because yeah, it's um, match. but I think it is. I think when you see some of the stunts being pulled by some owners and uh, around the leagues, and uh, you need and, a strong supporters, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, I mean, just to give a little brief update as to where the Lions Trust is is at, because we we announced that we're relaunching it some months ago. Um, as I've said already, I think um, we have to deal with the Financial Conduct Authority because it's a shareholding that holds shares in in in, in Millwall FC, and it holds it on behalf of, on behalf of its members. Um, so we, there's a slight chicken and egg quality to this, in that we're trying to revive the trust which had fallen into um, it, it fallen by the wayside slightly, but it's it still holds um, a, a shareholding. It will hold some more once, and I think it will be once this goes through. Um, but we're dealing slowly with the Financial Conduct Authority. We will then rejoin with the Football Supporters Association once we've got the FCA, Financial Conduct side, sorted. And I think that might be getting closer now. Um, once we're registered, um, my intention, I'm chairing it temporarily whilst we revive it. Um, my intention then is to hopefully find um, a suitable Millwall fan um, who's willing to chair it. It, it, it? It's not a supporters club. It it, it does hold shares. It does have a a, a, um, a financial. Um, you know, it's registered with the FCA, so it, it, it's important that it's there and it will hold these these responsibilities potentially of um, vetoing the move of the ground, vetoing changes of uh, club colours, badge, name, all that kind of thing. Um, so we're, we're, we're hopefully soon being in a position to say it's now fully back alive again, so to speak. Then we can get some formal members, paid members, because you have to pay uh, £10, I think, was traditionally the amount that you paid to be a member. And then hopefully we can get, get a new chairman, a new uh, committee elected, because it's a ref it's a membership-driven thing. You have to refer back to your members and you, the, the, the chairman is somebody that commands support from a majority of members that vote. 
Um, so we're getting closer to it. It is a slow process. I apologize to people because it has been a very slow process, but um, we're not far short of it now. So there will be some more news on that, hopefully in due course. What I would have thought would be a good idea, Nick, would be, I know that we did a podcast on it, me, you and Phil Clark. Mm, we did, yeah. I think if people want to search that out or if you put it out on the socials this weekend, yeah. if somebody wants to listen to it and they do want to get involved, because this is the future of Millwall, yeah? yeah. For 160 people, I think it's shocking, really. I am one of the people that has expressed an interest. I will pay up. I will join uh, because this is the club that we love and the apathy of, of everybody that's very quick to criticise. Yeah, I, I think it's... Um... 60 people's embarrassing, to be quite honest. I think that it should be it should be 10 times that, at least. Yeah, I mean, the Lions Trust is, is, is not about day-by-day issues. You know, don't... It's not going to deal with your cold chips or your or the fact that the beer yeah. was flat. Yeah, yeah. This is the MSC. This is the yeah. This is this should be for the supporters club. Um, the, the the Lions Trust is about the taking care of the shareholding. You're holding it on behalf of other people, so you know it, it, there's not a great market in mill shares anyway. It may become a market, I suppose, if if investment and we took off with some success. But it's not about that. It's about um, making sure that fans uh, exist, that the fans have a proper voice, especially on these hugely important issues like um, potential uh, holding a veto over moving of grounds and, and the identity issues, as they call them, the colours, the badge, the name, and so on. Um, it's really important, but it, no, it, it, it's not sexy in that sense. It's, it's very important, but it's not... They're not going to get involved in someone getting slung out and the steward said this and... Uh, didn't do that on the way out. I don't know. It, it's not day by day stuff. It's ownership, isn't it? The, it yeah. you, anything to do with the day to day stuff, as you say, it's to do with the ownership of the club, the custody, yeah, the custody of the club, the custodianship, if you like. I think what we're looking for. I mean, I, I, I've said that I'll, I'll do this temporarily to get it revived because you know I don't want to keep going banging on about me, listeners, but. Um, it's not something I can do on a regular basis. There isn't that much. Once it's alive and set up and registered, it should, largely speaking, just tick over. I mean, it, it's it's there. You want it there. You don't want it to fade away. It's You can think of it like a lifeboat if the club ever fell into, um, you know, like an AFC Wimbledon situation. No, that, that was a, a, a Supporters Trust-led revival that they had. So if it ever got into that kind of um, predicament, you'd want the supporters trust to be ready to step forward. So you need to have it. It needs to be well-maintained. Think of it as a lifeboat listeners. Uh, you want, you want to make sure your lifeboat don't leak and it's ready to go if it's ever needed, but you don't want to go cruising in the lifeboat. You want it to be an ocean going luxury liner, but you need lifeboats just in case. Um, and obviously with the, the identity issues, they're very important. So the actual running of it would be, um hopefully not too taxing but we, we do need to be someone that's not afraid of dealing with um ball, ball, ballroom level i don't know if i'm I, i'm trying to find the right words you 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 yeah you, you need someone to be that's willing to sit in the ballroom and talk on the level you've got to deal with the financial conduct authority from time to time not very often so you mustn't be afraid of that you're probably talking about somebody that's running their own business or director that kind of feeling um i'm hoping i'm not excluding anyone in, in saying that but you can't be afraid to put your head above the parapet either because you will no, from time to time you've got to do that yeah we'll see we'll see anyway um i will we will be more the more news on that as and when the, the the trust is fully revived so to speak and um we'll come back on the show and, and speak about it then um one last thing to close us out neil um i had an email from uh a member of a band. They're playing. The band is playing tomorrow at the bar at the Cobbler Lane End. The Bermondsey Blues Band, and they play Doctor Feelgood, Nine Below Zero style standards blues. Bermondsey Blues. That's a whole genre of uh, music that I think ought to be um, more widely known. The Bermondsey Blues might be Bermondsey Blues for Gary Rowett if <laughs> tomorrow doesn't go well. <laughs> um, we've got some breaking news. Remember when we had some breaking news? The other right. Week? Okay. Okay. Yeah, when Vogel slam, slam a sign. Yep, yep. The club have just tweeted 
that Callum Styles has joined the Lions on loan. There we are. We recorded long enough to get that breaking news. That's fantastic. Half of our podcast totally <laughs> and utterly useless. <laughs> When's that ever stopped us before, Neil? <laughs> on transfer deadline day or Thursday as it's normally down at Millwall. <laughs> That's a good joke. I like that one. <laughs> Yeah, well, Aldo can put his, uh, yeah, can actually stop playing football manager. Now he's found us. Uh, yeah, well, a midfielder who can play left wing back. Sorry, mate, you know, I've lost really. <laughs> Good news. Welcome to the club, Callum Styles. That's good news. Um... There's nothing been heard of Isaac Alofe. Story on London News Online on Thursday saying that he could leave on loan. Talking about loaning him out, weren't they? But nothing, I've seen nothing on it since. So I, I, I presume he's still with us. Yeah, I hope he's still with us because we need some pace. And Isaac Alofe has got pace in abundance. He just needs it. He needs that goal. He's like Benicophobe. He just needs a goal. You get it. You get it yeah, amongst we, it somehow. Yeah, we stick with players. And, and from what I've been reading, on Hoff and Twitter and one or two of the Facebook groups, people genuinely want to see this lad succeed. Yeah. And we want to see a homegrown player succeed, don't we? Me and too. I, I'm, I'm, I'm part of that mindset. I, I, we, we haven't seen enough of him. Um, he, he, when that, he, he's 23. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to know, is he good enough? Can he survive at this level? Yeah, yeah, that we play at sending him out on loan. It doesn't answer that question. No, it, I, I agree. And he's, I agree. he's just kicking the ball down the road. I'd much rather, and it would appear as if we are keeping him now, unless something's happened and hmm. um, and we've announced so far. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, but... I'd, I'd rather see that he plays now. Between now and uh, yeah, no, yeah, well, I was going to say Christmas, but unfortunately, it's between now and November, November, yeah, for break because yeah. because then we've got the World Cup break. But I would like to see him given this season. Let's no, keep... I agree, I agree. Let's give him a go. Get that, he's one of our own. Get him out there. Um, I, I agree. Lose. It's it's useless. Sending him out on loan tells you absolutely nothing about can he play in the in the championship. Yeah, that's trying in the championship. You can always loan him out in January or at the end of January. You can give him a, a, a nice run and absolutely give him a go. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Absolutely. Let's, let's hope he is staying. Let's hope he gets that go in the, in the game. We've not exactly been a wash with goals. So, um, you know, getting rid of a strike <laughs> seems a bit counterintuitive, but there we are. Um, it seems as though he's still with us um, based on that. I just want to repeat my shout out. I said I'd give the, to Paul the, the bassist. Say hello to Paul, the bassist, to my listeners. The, the Bermondsey Blues Band at the uh, at, at the uh, the bar. Um, nine Below Zero, Dr. Feelgood, Bermondsey Blues style. They're also playing at the Gregorian on Jamaica Road every um, every fortnight, the first and third uh, Sunday evenings of the month at the Gregorian at the Greg. Um, big shout out to the Bermondsey Blues Band. Yeah, we go on about the uh, the match day experience, and by all accounts, and I yeah, well, I do know this because the game I went the game I went to last season, they there there are one or two very good bands that are playing. There was a young um, female band. I can't think of their name, but like a mod style new wave band. Yeah, that's, I, I, yeah, well, I can remember listening to them. Yeah last season and they're fantastic absolutely brilliant they really were good so fair play to these these local acts you know um i've seen that that group the one that you're talking about they're playing uh, local pubs uh, i think it was the what's the one on new cross road mark chris granby i think they were playing there um i believe um check them out i mean the, the, as you say this is supporting local artists um this band here playing at the greg every every fortnight on, on a sunday evening Got to support them. If you don't support them, you don't get. You don't. You know, there's no 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 fun in this life, is there? If you don't support these things, so um, shout out to the Bermondsey Blues Band. They're going to be there from one thirty tomorrow. Um, and uh, you can't argue with Doctor Feelgood, listeners. Come on. All right. So that's probably our agenda done, Neil. So um, unless you wanted to add anything, got anything more on your your little list? 
No, I haven't, mate. Yep. I think you've done enough. I think you've said enough, Fistler. Yeah, I think I've probably offended enough people, haven't I? Yeah, no. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a show with it as you did, mate. It wouldn't be a good, the same show as you did. Yeah, because you didn't get me on last Saturday. I was absolutely steaming. Oh, dear. Let's hope for better tomorrow. Um, there we are. Huge thank you to Neil for taking time out of his, his Friday morning. Thank you, mate. Yeah, no problem, mate. No problem. I look forward to uh, speaking to everybody again next week. And to you too, dear listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Until the next edition, Arrivederci Mill. Bye for now. You have been listening to Achtung, Millwall. Please do leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. Dankeschön. Up the lines. No One Likes Us Clothing is the clothing range designed by Millwall fans for Millwall fans. Caps, t-shirts, polos, they've got it all. Visit noonelikesus.co.uk for the full range. Or if you're in Bermondsey on a match day, why not have a pint in the Blue Anchor pub and pick up a Nolu polo shirt, Nolu clothing, www.noonelikesus.co.uk. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.